Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. Today we'll be reflecting on the Euro 2020 final, discussing the Villa men involved and taking a look at some of the latest transfer gossip. I'm Andy and today I'm delighted to be joined again by Craig. Hi Andy, nice to be back. Um, Hello uh, listeners, it's... um Good to be talking, Aston Villa. I'm glad that we can move on from, from England and focus on the club team again. It was nice being hand in hand with you all, but now it's time for us to be rivals and enemies. You can find me at Craig Storrid and send me your hate tweets because Aston Villa are going to Europe and I won't be told otherwise. <laughs> I like it, I like it. And yeah, we'll definitely get into some Aston Villa. There is a little bit of international uh, uh, stuff to tidy up as um, as we go through, but um, we'll get onto that. And obviously with a Villa element to it. And of course, there's only one place to start, really. Well, we thought there was, oh. but we're going to start at the beginning of the weekend um, and go to the Southern Hemisphere as Villa had two players involved in the Copa America final between Brazil and Argentina. Obviously, Douglas Luiz was involved for for Brazil on the bench. But of course, the man-mountain Emi Martinez was in goal for Argentina, who ran out 1-0 winners um, to take home the silverware. It's remarkable that it's taken an Aston Villa goalkeeper to give Lionel Messi his first international title of his, his glittering career. And it's been a, a truly momentous summer for our for our goalkeeper. It's a fantastic achievement um, to top a successful 18 months for Martinez, who must now be looking to capitalise on his, his rise to prominence with the club. Um, is he now falling into this category of another player that that might be looking to move on? You know, if we if we end up falling short of European football uh, next season, yeah. He is. Uh, in short, you know, I said last week, Andy, um, to, to all of the wonderful uh, listeners and, and yourself, that um, Grealish is the Gareth Barry of today. And I think if he is sold, Martinez, Conza and Watkins could well be looking to move on. And it could ha- it could have a real domino effect, and which is, which is frightening, which is one of the reasons it's so important we keep hold of Jack Grealish, in my estimation, because he is that important. But... Um, I think that we are, as I've already said, we are marching into Europe. We are Aston Villa. And I think things are looking really, really good. And I think Martinez is going to play European football. Uh, probably this time next year, we'll be starting the uh, the Europa League, I would have thought, the, the, the qualifiers. So th- don't worry about that. Martinez will hang around. But I think we have to look at Martinez and say, what an incredible transformation in 18 months. Um, uh, an unfortunate injury to Leno. Uh, for Arsenal, I believe, against um, 
Dean Smith favourite Neil Mopai. Uh, I believe it was a challenge, uh, a, a dodgy Mopai challenge. He's a bit like that Mopai on uh, Leno that injured him. And that was, frankly, the the moment that gave Martinez his opportunity. He came in, he won the FA Cup with Arsenal and um, and he's, he never looked back. And he knew, and he said in interviews, um, that he had to be a first-choice goalkeeper in the Premier League if he wanted to give Lionel Messi his first international trophy. And Martinez did it. I mean, Messi, as we know, is like a footballing deity at this point. And to see Messi in his interviews crediting the Aston Villa goalkeeper... I'm, let me say that again. Lionel Messi ladies and gentlemen, is crediting the Aston Villa goalkeeper with bringing him his first international title. It is completely surreal. I mean, how do you feel about it, Andy? I mean, and did you see the semi-final with those four penalty shootout saves Martinez did? Well, I, I, I mean, I have to say, I haven't haven't watched um, any of the Copa America. I've seen the clips and I've seen, I've seen the clips of his saves and I mean, it's, it's getting to the point now where you're not, you're not surprised that he's pulling off you know these 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 world class saves, penalty saves, keeping clean sheets, even at that level, you're just not surprised because he is that good. He is he is an absolute mountain in the in the goal, um, and yeah, I mean he, he just makes you feel confident, doesn't he? Whenever you know when you're watching Villa and they're defending, they're up against it. Teams can get through us, and you think we've still got a Martinez there. It's not a goal yet, you know. There's 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 always a that hope that he's going to claw the ball away and or just just get his massive hands in front of it. But as you as you as you talk about, you know, it, it does seem surreal. Um, and for me here, um, living in in the West Midlands in, in Sutton Coalfield, he he shops in our M and S. So the man who <laughs> the the man who you know. Um, Lionel Messi has been calling. What did he call him? A you know a a, oh, a beast. A, a pheno- was yeah, it a some, beast? A phenomenon, a phenomenon some, or something yeah. like that? You know, you know he 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 shops he shops in M and S. He probably buys his soya milk the same place I do. You know, he's 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 it's and it's 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 odd, but he's you know he's just such a an unassuming character. But I do think you know it's a it's 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 a wonderful thing to have, but it's that pressure again, isn't it? You know, and we've talked about the um, the pressure of finishing high up the league in the European positions, and the more players that that come to this point where they're international players, they're making a huge impact on that stage. They're going to want to play Champions League football, probably more so than Europa League, but Europa League for now, maybe. And um, it's, but that's the that's the um, that's what comes with success, isn't it? And that's you, you don't you don't sign, kind of shy away from that. You take it on as a challenge, you know. And Dean Smith will be will be very aware that um, you know clubs will be looking at, at all of our players in the same way that they did with Leicester um, a few years ago when they won the league, in the same way that they did with Southampton and when Southampton came up and had. A great season, you know. They they just cherry picked all the players, you know. And we need to be ready for that. That that's gonna that's potential. And if we don't hit those heights um, that these players need and deserve, then then they'll go elsewhere. 
Yeah, they will. I think the 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 Leicester City model is um is is really interesting because I always look I've looked at their signings this year. Sangare already, Brian Bertrand, uh, the the young striker. Um, I, I forget his name. They, they they've just signed him. Um, he, he, a bright young prospect. Leicester seem to get it, you know, spot on. And you think eighty million for Maguire. I think they managed to squeeze about thirty million or forty million for Drinkwater, which is for that they should win a trophy on on, on its own. Um, but Leicester do it the right way. They they're able to lose their best players and and reinvest that money into and become and become a great team. But Aston Villa, I don't think are going that way. I don't think we're going to be a, a sunning club. I think there is a real theme with Aston Villa and Dean Smith, and it's a theme of meteoric rises. Watkins, Mings, Conza, Grealish, Martinez. Douglas Louise, who we mentioned earlier, obviously, unfortunately, on the losing side of that uh, Copa America final. All of these guys have had meteoric rises. You know, even 18 months ago, Martinez was was probably coming back from a loan spell. Douglas Louise was somewhere in, um, in a relegation quagmire. He's now an England international. Martinez is now the Argentinian number one. Grealish is now the darling of England fans, and we're going to get onto that later. Konza's knocking on the door. Mings, my goodness, he <laughs> Mings put older Pretty Patel in a place yesterday, which was a joyous thing to see. And Ollie Watkins, you know, maybe has had the the, the greatest the greatest growth of them all from Exeter City to 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 uh, England international in the space of of really what amounts to months really you know i mean a few years it's 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 incredible so i think we have to give credit to, to dean smith we have to give credit to christian perslow Nasef suarez weddies edens they've captured lightning in a bottle and i agree with you andy we must 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 capitalize the time is now we have to qualify for europe this season absolutely and just a just a huge congratulations to to emmy martinez and um I'm sure when he when he runs out of Villa Park in a few weeks' time, he'll be greeted with a, a rapturous reception because um, you know this is you know he he is a he's a, he's a he's a world he's on the world stage he's a world class player now and and that's um, that's great to see and he's our goalkeeper. Which is, do you imagine? Do you imagine wonderful. that um, Martinez may may have leaned over into Messi's ear, said Lionel, I know you're out of contract now. I know Barcelona are broke and they can't afford you. But Lionel, I've just given you your first trophy for Argentina. You're now alongside Ronaldo. You're now alongside Maradona as winning, in, as, as winning international honours with your team. Now I've given this to you, Lionel. Give me a year at Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> Is he we not can too dream. Old now? <laughs> what? Wow. We 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 can we can dream. Nah. That that, that nah, was I'm what that was that was my fantasy. I'm, I'm, I I was imagining. <laughs> I know that um it seems like Alvarez is going to sign and um we know that Wendy is already in the bank. So I, I you know maybe Martinez prowess doesn't powers of persuasion doesn't quite stretch that far but a man can dream Andy a man can dream <laughs> certainly there's no and, and what better time in the in the in the summer when when it's all going there uh, it's all going crazy anyway um but on to on to the, the the England matters obviously um we had our England had a had their final and, and our boys Tyra Mings and Jack Grealish took their place on the bench for the for the the final against Italy at Wembley on Sunday night. Um, 
England sadly lost the game on penalties, in case you haven't heard, um, after a half, hard-fought 1-1 um, draw over the over the 90 minutes and extra time that we saw. Um, there has been a, obviously a huge fallout for the game from the game, and we'll, we'll get onto the onto that. Um, you know the, the the other issues in a in a bit, um, but first of all, you know your reaction to the match, the lineup, um, and the general approach, and of course the the final result. And how do you how do you sort of sum up in England's tournament? Well, I think that the tournament overall, to answer the last question first, you know, has to be considered a success overall. I think that is key. I think that this is the first final of my lifetime, and 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 most. England fans, you know, you know, unless you're, unless unless you were born, you know, not even '66 because you wouldn't remember it. But you know, unless you were born at least in 1960, you're probably not going to have any memory of 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 ever watching England in England in the final. And and Gareth Southgate and the team gave us that, so I'm grateful for that. But you know, I'm I am disappointed. I think that the, the match was a missed opportunity. And I was disappointed with with the lineup, and I was disappointed with the approach. And um, you know, two weeks ago, Andy, I likened Southgate's approach to um, that of Tuchel or, or Conte, Simeone, Mourinho, those kind of those kind of guys. I think others online have, have likened Southgate to Steve Bruce or Tony Pulis, which I think is slightly uh, less auspicious company. But I think the overriding narrative is the same. I think that. Southgate, in my opinion, is a deeply conservative, safety-first football manager. The football isn't sexy, it's not free-flowing, and it's certainly not attacking, and that's fine. But um, because it was successful. But I think that there was a moment of truth on Sunday where England were in the ascendancy. They they, they were one up. They, they came out flying out of the blocks they got a 1-0 lead and Italy looked like they were visibly shaken. And rather than do, to quote Dean Smith, you know, Dean Smith likes to go for the throat. Southgate did not do that. You know, if it was a boxing match, you know, they got an early knockdown England and then they decided to hide behind the jab for 11 rounds. And ultimately, you know, we've given credit to Southgate for getting it right. Ultimately, I think in the final, he, he got it wrong. And it isn't lost on me that it's the second time, obviously, that he he has his defensive approach has failed to hold on to a lead um, in 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 a major game. Obviously, in the World Cup against Croatia, we had a one nil lead with twenty minutes to go, and he managed to lose it. it with um, with the game on Sunday, we had a one nil lead and managed to lose it, and, and the goal was coming. I just think if you're going to start with nine defensive minded players. You have to if you if you're going to do that, you have to you you kind of have to win, otherwise the knives are going to be out and um, and we've seen it you know again again with Mourinho you know he doesn't he plays anti football but people accept it because he, he wins. I think that Mancini was was much braver. Mancini was much bolder and um, with both Insigne and uh, Chiesa starting and, and they really really went for it. So disappointed. I think I think it's not mutually exclusive. I mean, I think sometimes we we talk in absolutes. This isn't Southgate isn't an absolute king maestro manager that that can do no wrong. Is walking on water, and he's also not a clown. You know, there are shades of grey. Southgate's safety first approach got us to a final, and I think we can all celebrate that. 
but on the same at the same time, I think we can still be disappointed that he just wasn't slightly braver. I mean, even even Mason Mount. I mean, we'll get onto him in a minute. Mason Mount playing as a left winger and shunting your player out to the t- of the tournament, Raheem Sterling onto the right side. I mean that that is really when you've got th- that many defensive players. That's really negative because Mason Mount for for you know. He's he's had less creative spark in this bike in this tournament than a than a than a, a a bag of wet rocks. He's he's you know he does a lot of running and not not much else. So that was really disappointing when you've got the likes of Sancho and Grealish and Rashford on the bench and Saka as well. So it feels like a missed opportunity, but at the same time, I'm really proud of of, of Southgate and I'm I'm proud of the boys and I think that they they've done us they've done us proud overall. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd go along with that. I think I think I'll take the view um, that I've, I I do feel, and what Southgate I think what Southgate has has brought home to to me as an England fan, and probably a lot of others, and certainly people in the media, is that being the England manager is not just about picking the team and the tactics. You know, he's he's actually um, it's it's a it's a it's a far a far larger kind of role, and he's he's been able to transform the culture of, of the England squad and the England team and what it means to play for England. He's taken away some of the fear um, and you know he's made it a, an enjoyable environment for, for players to go to, to go to these these England camps. They want to be there um, and they want to do well and they're all they, they get along. All those cliques that that, that that are the players in the past have talked about have gone, you know, that they, they don't exist anymore. Um, it's it's a it's a collective squad which we've been crying out for um, for England and if we'd have had that for me during that golden generation with 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 Beckham Lampard Gerard Terry etc I think we'd have won something without a doubt I think there was there was clearly too much division in that in those squads um, but I do think there is that feeling of of a missed opportunity because of the the, the the quality and the attacking quality that we have in that squad, and I mean, you said I think last last time that you know you just have to look at the players that aren't in the squad. Madison, I'm not going to be able to remember them all now, but you know there are plenty of players that could have been in that squad or would have been maybe last summer um, that fell away or, or other players came to the fore. So you know it's an incredible group of players that, that England have and that Southgate has at his disposal and to see him line up with with like you say um five defenders and and two holding midfield players you know in a um in a in a world cup final sorry in a euros final is is um is disappointing having said that you know we we're essentially there because of because of what Southgate has achieved over the last four or five years since he's been manager, and you know you can't you can't take that away from him. He's 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 definitely fulfilled the brief and more, um, you know, on and off the field. So um, I, I I just think it's 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 a step forward. It's a massive step forward to reach a final. World Cup's coming up. Um, that's another issue. I'd rather we weren't actually played in that tournament. <laughs> I'd rather we we boycotted that, but but no one's got the bottle to do that. So we will be there if we qualify, and um, and uh, you know we'll see how how they get along then. Another eighteen months down the line, but 
but I agree it's been a it's been a success it's been a, I think an incredible tournament for for England um in so many ways and um yeah very proud very proud of the of the team um particularly the three lads that um that stepped up and unfortunately missed their penalties I think they handled themselves beautifully I think they did as well and I think you make a really good point I think um in terms of Southgate's biggest strength maybe is not his um, his coaching or his tactical prowess. Um, he seems to lean a lot on Steve Holland. You know, whenever the camera cl- uh, cuts to Southgate in an England game, it seems to be Steve Holland who is calling the shots, as it were. Um, but what I would say about Gareth Southgate is that, um, you know, he has been a wonderful ambassador for England and he has been a wonderful manager that really gets it and, 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 and he speaks properly and he's, he's thoughtful. He doesn't shoot from the hip. He takes a minute to consider things and he thinks he's a clearly a deep thinker and, and, and a very intelligent man. And, um, you know, certainly a step away from the old kind of, uh, you know, some of the, the English wide boy managers that we've had in the recent past. Uh, Southgate carries himself like a, like a statesman. Um, but what I will also say is that was key, that togetherness that you're talking about, Andy. You know, France, for me, were the, buying away the, the best team I had them as as comfortable winners especially as world champions but that was a divided camp uh, we know that there's, there was there were problems with I think uh, the, the, the 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 mothers were arguing in the stand it was that bad you know for France and you see <laughs> you know you see what that, that happens and and to go to your golden generation point all the talent in the world doesn't matter if you don't have a good team spirit so for Southgate to take the toxicity of the Iceland game and then the Sam Allardyce scandal, which was what he inherited and turn, turn it into this, a team that we can be proud of, a team that we can see ourselves in and a team that we can, we can love. I mean, that is a major achievement and shouldn't be downplayed. However, I think that moving forward, you, you, you talk about Qatar um, Southgate is going to have to be a little bit bolder because I think if he if he plays eight, you know, if he starts the game with eight defenders again um, in 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 some of those fixtures, I think I think people may lose patience. Let's say. Yeah, I think I think I think you're right, but um, you know, but I mean, be, you know, just just a big. Congratulations to Southgate and the England squad, really, for 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 what they have achieved this summer. It is uncharted territory for for me and you and and so many England fans, um, English people who 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 hold the uh, the national team there, and um, and you know it's it's a semi final followed by a final. You, you know that that's 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 unprecedented. So um, huge congratulations for that. Um, I mean, obviously, with 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 every bright um, spark with England, we get we have the the dark side as well, um, and of course, after the match, almost predictably so, um, those three three lions um, that stood up and and took the penalties, Rashford, Sancho, and Saka, and unfortunately missed, reportedly received vile racist abuse through their social media account. Um, since then, there has been quite frankly an outpouring of support and love for these players um and also our own 
Tyra Mings um, has taken on Home Secretary Pretty Patel, as you um, as you you rightly referred to earlier, um, calling out some of the hypocrisy, not just from from her, but from from many of the um, the, the government uh, MPs, um, you know, who have condemned this abuse, but clearly don't don't mean what they what they say, um, you know. Only weeks ago, they were they were unable to condemn England fans who who chose to boo the players who were taking the knee. Um, but we we've we have sort of come to expect nothing short of complete eloquence um, when it comes to to Tyrone on these matters. Um, but surely now it's it's time for more definitive action against these these idiots these these racist idiots. Um, and 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 now that time has arrived. And in terms of how how football deals with 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 these issues, yeah, I completely agree, Andy. I think that football certainly has a role to play, and I think that um, just zero tolerance banning orders could help to get through to some people, and who may then begin to understand the severity of their actions when you know they're barred from attending football matches. Um, I'm not necessarily one for exclusion. Generally speaking, I like to think that people can be brought along but I think there has to be somewhere a line in the sand there's there's been warnings there's been fines but you know they're not getting it I mean we've all been on a COVID football ban stadium ban for the best part of 18 months so we know how being shut out feels and maybe being shut out of things will start to show some of these people how it feels to be othered if you like how it feels to be shut out but I think ultimately Andy this isn't a football issue it's a societal issue um, and the idea that footballers are kind of private, uh, deeply, deeply capitalist and sometimes corrupt industry, it's fair to say, if some of the shenanigans at FIFA and UEFA are to be believed, um, that, that you know, the idea that football as an industry could or should somehow be the moral moral beacon to lead us into the night, into the light even, is, is naive. But um, the simple truth is, these people can't be explained away as mindless idiots anymore just because they have a football shirt on at the weekend. I mean, they don't just appear out of thin air at the weekend. Where are they in the week? What are they doing? They're, they are fathers. They are sons, husbands. Uh, um, these people are bank managers, teachers, police officers, uh, uh, um, you know, bus drivers. They're ordinary people and they're everywhere. They're amongst us. And they're carrying these same prejudices around with them, both conscious and unconscious, all the time. And they are spreading them, sometimes overtly, as we saw um, at the weekend t- towards the three young men you mentioned. But most of this stuff is is covert. It's undercover. It's subliminal. It's, it's subtle. It's uh, uh, not hiring a particular person because you get a weird feeling about them because maybe they look or, or sound a bit different to you or giving someone a dirty look in the street if they're wearing, I don't know, a, a hijab or, or certain. Uh, religious wear um, you know assuming someone's stupid or, or, or less than you or dangerous based on your, your own prejudices those are the those are the kind of you know subliminal things or, or perhaps even if you vote for someone who openly calls black people uh, 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 racially abuses black people and homosexuals um, and then just refuses to apologize for it even that in itself is to me an act of violence against those communities and people in those communities. And I include myself in those communities because I am, I take it as an act of violence when, um, when these kind of people are supported and emboldened 
And I think that we've seen with the events surrounding the whole final, with the destruction of property, the breaking into the Wembley Stadium, the violence, the racism, all of it speaks to a, a section, and I do want to make that clear, it's a section of society in England that has a deep, deep sickness. England's a wonderful place. It's one of the very best nations on earth. Yes, obviously I'm biased, but we have amazing people. We have kind people, intelligent, they're, they're self-depreciating, they're talented, they're inclusive, they're, 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 they're just funny, they're just good people to be around. And we, you know, we, we produce uh, uh, ama amazing footballers like uh, Jackie Grealish or music artists, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Black Liam Sabbath Gallagher. or whoever, Liam Gallagher, you know, the, you know, we we produce great things in England. We have great stuff to offer, but I think we have to also be aware that there is an element now which is really pervasive that we need to identify. We need to we we need to we need to talk about it a little bit more. We can't heal as a country until we acknowledge that we have some problems, and I'm not sure that England generally as a nation is really interested in taking that long, hard look in the mirror that we might need to do. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 clearly, um, it's just it just becomes more and more and, and you feel um, almost depressed by it. Um, and I can understand, I listen to people like um, Darren Lewis, who, who writes for The Mirror. Um, there was a chap on a podcast I was listening to, listening to earlier on an England podcast called, uh, called Carl Anker, who's who's with The Athletic, um, listen to these people and they speak with such, um, uh, just, just, uh, it's almost like the, 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 the fight's gone, you know, the, 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 you know, they, they're just continually having to, having to talk about this issue. And, and, um, for me, I find it depressing, but I'm, 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 I'm a 40 year old, um, white man, you know, who, um, you know, I I actually feel my role is not to feel depressed. My role is to feel energized and and um, to to call it out and to to deplore it and to do everything I can. I have a s small platform here, and uh, you know, maybe I have to have to use that, use my Twitter account, use my Facebook account, whatever I can to add my voice and add add my um my view to, to, to the, to, to the fight against this, this scourge, you know, it's, you know, and, and I'm one, I'm a bit like you. I'm, I'm, I'm one for inclusion. I'm one for education. I've always believed that you can get through to people. Um, but after now, after what is it, it's about a year, isn't it? Of taking the knee at football grounds. People still think it's a, it's a Marxist thing or it's a, it's or, or whether they think that or whether that's just an excuse to to boo it or to to have some sort of problem with it. Education hasn't worked. However much we've beat beaten the, the message over people's heads in a way, um, it doesn't get through. Um, so so where do you go with that? You know, it's 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 just it's just it's just soul destroying and heartbreaking. I can imagine how you know how how you feel and how. Those people I've mentioned, and people like Tyrone Mings, Marcus Rashford, you know, how do that? How are they feeling? You know, or people that have been fighting against it all their lives, people, you know, who you know who who have experienced it through the sixties, seventies, and eighties in in England, and I just, 
I just I can't imagine I can't imagine what people go through and um, whether you know I mean I was thinking earlier you know to, to you know to to the listeners you know if 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 you are someone who who feels sympathy for people who boo taking the knee or you have booed the knee maybe you were at Villa Park and you booed the knee. Um, at the end of the season, when they, when we play Chelsea, maybe you've been at England games and you've done that. Um, maybe you just sympathise with it. Maybe you have these views. Do us a favour. Switch off. Switch the podcast off now. You know, um, and follow us. You know, untick us. Whatever it is, we don't need you. We don't need your support. We don't need your your listenership. Um, stay away. Unless you're willing to, to 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 try and change and to try and and, and learn and, and and move forward, we're all learning all the time. Um, and I, you know, that's that's all I can say, that's all I can say on it. Really, I feel I feel so upset about it. Yeah, um, it, it it's it's it is it is really difficult. And obviously, you know, here's the thing. I you know I I can only ever speak for for myself. You know, when I when I come on and and talk about these issues you know i have to be very clear i'm not any kind of international spokesperson for um for for biracial individuals or black individuals or ethnic minorities or anything like that when i'm talking i'm just talking about how i feel and, and you know it's my opinion you know it it is it is tiresome it is wearisome because you know i remember thinking in the um the uh the the london olympics i remember watching the opening ceremony and for someone like me who has not grown up with a great deal of representation, you know, seeing people that look like me or sound like me on TV or radio and things like that. For me, I remember watching the London 2012 Olympic opening ceremony. It was like, wow. I, you know, I felt like finally it, it had happened that we had, we were kind of, not, not that it would happen, it was some kind of magic, you know, elixir, but that we were moving into a new realm. But what has followed in the decade since has really been a step back into the dark ages. And I think that um, the way I would characterize it is that we are all here together. You know, whether you're in the UK, whether you're in the USA, whether you're in Europe, we're all in here together. We're on this planet together. We are in the same car together, going to our own destinations, but we're all, you know, we're all together. So... Yes, there can be people that you don't like. Yes, there'll be people that you can disagree with. Yes, there'll be people that you, you may not respect. But to abuse three young men playing for their country, giving it all, their all because of the color of their skin is completely asinine. And eventually, we have to just do better. And I can't really... You know, you can hear in my voice, I'm just tired. It is tiring. It's exhausting. It really is exhausting. Um, I had to just completely switch off on Monday. I was like, I went and did uh, uh, other things, uh, you know, the day after the, the final. Because I was like, I just can't, you know, it's very triggering. It's very upsetting. I was like, I just can't. If I want to have a nice day or if I want to be healthy mentally, emotionally today, I can't jump into this because I'm tired. I'm weary and... Um, and, and, and um, you know, it is, it, it wears you down. I don't know how, how else to say it. Mm, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that says it all really. And, and, you know, we need to, we need to do more as a collective 
society and you know whatever we whatever we can do to 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 start you know getting the getting the message that this 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 isn't going to be tolerated anymore we we can't tolerate this 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 kind of thing anymore and um yeah well, i mean we'll we'll we'll, we'll perhaps move on for, from that um and uh i mean the next section is <laughs> doesn't get much, much better <laughs> it's not much happier <laughs> but, but we're going to get we 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 Listen, fans, we're going to get to the Aston Villa juicy bits in a minute. We perhaps won't spend too much time on this, but, um, yeah. you know, it was it was obviously, um, you know, a really difficult day on, on Sunday for 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 the for the, the England public at large, really, as it was widely reported and footage was, was clearly seen of England fans at Wembley breaking through barriers and entering Wembley without tickets um there were several reports of um from inside the stadium of of how people you know were having their seats taken um how people were standing in gangways standing in stairwells you know blocking people being abusive um you know and probably worst of all kind of taking up um the the disabled uh, sections of of the stadium as well and this of course followed you know, a whole day of of, of alcohol fueled and cocaine fueled. Let's be honest about it. Um, revelry in, in in London and probably all towns and cities around the country. And of course, you know, we know that wherever England go, there's always this element of hooliganism and racism, as we've talked about, and associated with the support, the England support. Um, but of course. You know, this was a this was now at Wembley. It was focused on Wembley. It was a huge event. You know, there were something like they were said there were two hundred thousand people around Wembley. Bearing in mind there were only sixty seven thousand tickets um, for the final. You know, so a lot of people decided to go ticketless um, to be at Wembley to be in the area um, for this final. Um, and it was always for me to going to be open to to this kind of. Of, of disorder um, and people, you know, so close to, to the stadium, getting so close to the stadium without tickets, and of course getting inside, you know, and and and, and apparently causing just a just a, a really kind of toxic atmosphere in in the stadium. You know, I just think um, England are in the UK and Ireland are, are, are obviously trying to compete for the the I think the the, the twenty thirty or thirty four World Cup. Um, we host many huge events at Wembley and this kind of thing, but 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 what does this kind of this put you know real poor sort of hooligan behaviour um, say about these these potential type of events in the future coming to England? Well, I don't think it's boosted the chances. Let's put it that way, uh, uh, Andy. I think that um, you know. If you want to know what England's standing is as a nation within Europe, just uh, go and check out the Eurovision. I'll give you a clue. Nil point. So, um, you know, it, you know, <laughs> England's standing throughout Europe is pretty much lower than a snake's belly as it is for obvious reasons, which we don't need to go into. I think o- around the world, it's slightly different. You know, lots of lots of people still still, still hold England in high regard, so there could still be a chance of uh, of, of of a World Cup, but it doesn't help. It doesn't help. It's um, it makes us all look bad. You know that's that's the other thing about it. You know, 
any hope of us attracting a major a football event like the Euros of the World Cup just may have gone up in, in smoke. Many of you listening will be far too young to remember uh, Euro 96. I was alive, but I was a you know, little kid, so I don't... You know, I wasn't going to any of the games and stuff like that. So for some people, this this World Cup bid could be their only chance in their in their lifetime that they they get to see a, a World Cup or a, or a Euros or a major competition in, in in England. And you know, in a in a country of over fifty million, we've got a few thousand idiots behaving this way that have potentially killed that for everyone. And um, you know, whether we like it or not, people tar us with the same brush. You know, uh, they don't see. Oh well, no, that's just a small section of England fans. They just see England fans smashing up the place, fighting, drinking, smashing glasses. You know, it's the same when we. You know, you go on holiday. We've all probably been treated a little bit dodgily at a hotel when they realise they hear your English accent because they're half scared you're going to smash the place up. You, you know, and get a bit too. Uh, Bit, bit too drunk and as i was saying earlier we just can't keep letting these people drag us down we have to help them be better through support education and where needed that there has to be that's to be punishment because people are, are doing these things because they feel like they can get away with it they shouldn't be able to get away with it they need to be punished and there needs to be serious consequence for these type of actions listen i love to have a beer i may have had one too many beers over the euros but I can promise you, even when England lost, I didn't go looking for some Italians to have a, a dust up with. I didn't start smashing up people's private property, their businesses, their their pubs, their bars, their restaurants, you know, because you don't do that. That's not how civilized individuals behave. So there's no excuse for it. And 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 it's just again, it's just a shame. It's and it, it makes me embarrassed, to be honest. Because again, I'm 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 a kind of a you know i'm living in a foreign country so all i've had for the last couple of days is text messages and phone calls and and and, and i've seen anyone asking me to explain it i can't explain it you're representing us all when when, when they're going out there doing that stuff I, I i hate it i really i hate that whole culture Andy. i, I don't yeah. like it i think i think there are there are certain other things at play obviously the fact that that um we have been under these restrictions, I suppose, for a, for a long time, and, and maybe there is this kind of demob mentality now, where people feel like they can they can get away with anything. Um, and, and I also think the the kickoff time probably didn't help, and the fact that people were obviously drinking and taking their substances um, for you know a good sort of twelve or hours or ten hours before before the game, but at the same time. Um, yeah, it's there's no there isn't really an excuse, um, and I think you know it, it, it's just it's it's the attitude of people, and also the the complete lack of um, of, of organisation. Um, I would have said from, I mean, I've heard I've heard um, one or two um, journalists who would go to these type of events all the time, really, say that they can't believe how close you could get to the stadium without a ticket. You know, which which says it all, really. Um, there's there's clearly a, a complete lack of, of of any kind of organisation. There was probably a, a lack of police presence, poor stewards, probably on minimum wage for whatever they do. Um, they wouldn't even be full time. They you know they they're not going to stand in the way of you know a hundred people charging at them. Um, it's just you know it, it is like you say it's embarrassing and it and it and it brings us all down and whatever the the mitigations are that 
you know, ultimately people have um, personal responsibility and they they didn't exercise that at, at the weekend. Um, and it's, it, yeah, it shows badly on us all. And, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if, um, if these kind of events, whether it's Champions League finals or whether it's um, big kind of international matches, um, don't come so readily to these shores um, in future. Um, but we do. I think we need to move. I think we need to move away from. We do. We, from, we've talked about going down, and let's talk about getting up, getting yes. up, and being hard and firm for a <laughs> wonderful encounter. We've talked yes. about the negatives of masculinity, so we'll have a chat now about the positives of masculinity with our sponsors, Manscaped. Yes, indeed, Craig, and uh, with it must be roasting over there in, in, in Philadelphia. How are you getting on with your, your lawnmower and various things? Well, roasting has uh, multiple meanings, doesn't it, Andy? I'm sure you chose that word <laughs> deliberately. And yes, um, it is hotter than blazers over here um, in uh, Philly. It is 35 degrees on average, um, topping, uh, you know, it, it is hot, it is sweaty, and thank goodness for manscaped because i have managed to smoothly remove all of my unwanted bodily hair using the special ceramic blade of my manscaped 3.0 strimmer let me tell you ceramic is better than metal. Let me tell you why. Metal can cut. Metal can clip. You know the you know the areas I'm talking about, gentlemen and ladies. Those sensitive areas that you don't want to be. Well, maybe some of you do. <laughs> different people are into different things, aren't they, Andy? But I am recommending this because I have had some accidents before. I'm just going to be blunt about it. I have cut my balls. I've had blood from my balls from shaving incidents. It is not fun. But what I can tell you is, with Manscaped, it didn't happen because we have the super safe ceramic blade. It is proprietary skin safe technology, people. Now, I want to tell you a little uh, stat as well. 79% of partners polled admitted admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. So you know what Manscaped have? They have the Weed Whacker, which is a waterproof nose and ear hair trimmer. All right? Get rid of all that excess hair. Be smooth as Anwell Algazi and support manscaped.com. Remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code LAMP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code LAMP. L-A-M-P. See you on the other side. Fantastic. And, 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 and now, of course, onto the main man. The impeccably turned out. Maybe uses Manscaped. We don't know. Well-groomed and now the nation's would-be hero, possibly, poster boy, Mr. Jack Grealish. Um, now, uh, Jack sort of managed to get on for around 20 minutes of the, of the final in, in, in extra time. Um, 
and of course we we all saw that he was a substituted substitute in the in the semi-final against Denmark which was a bit of a, a kick in the teeth um and all in all it's been a bit of a stop start tournament for Jack um despite the the, the clamor and the, and the desire from from fans um to see him involved Southgate has has used him rather sparingly um he has seemed to 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 cut a despondent figure at times looking at him on the on the sidelines or and after games especially really since the Ukraine game where he wasn't used at all after in the previous game sort of coming on and, and turning the game in, in England's favour um in the in the in the last sixteen game. Um how would you assess Jack's tournament and um and once perhaps some of the disappointment of the defeat and, and so on has died down, how how do you think he will he will respond? I think Jack will be privately uh, furious with his treatment from Southgate. I certainly was. Um, I can imagine him watching Mason Mount labouring around hor- hor- horribly for 100 minutes in that final in Jack's favoured left wing position and stinking out the place and feeling nothing but rage. You know, he, he must be like, what's going What's going on here? Am I seeing what I'm seeing? Every attack that, that comes to Mount seems to break down. This is my posi- position, left wing. Why am I not getting a chance? I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, and, and, and again, Mount had a bad tournament. I don't even blame Mount for, for playing badly in the final, actually, as some people have. You know, he's, Southgate's played him out of position, which is remarkable when you have a left winger in Grealish, a left winger in in in, in uh, uh, um, Rashford. You have a right winger or, or, right, or left winger in Saka and a right winger in Sancho. Any of those people are better in that position than Mount, which is why I called Mount the, the ninth defender with Kane and, and Sterling really our only attackers. Grealish's numbers as our friend uh, at PGR Analytics, uh, PGR underscore analytics on Twitter always says, were ridiculous throughout. He was incredibly effective in the minutes that he was used. But as we already know, and we've discussed on this podcast, Gareth Southgate doesn't trust Jack Grealish. And there's no doubt now, there's no ambiguity. It's quite clear. Southgate yearns for control, absolute control, whereas Jack Grealish creates chaos. Wonderful, beautiful, thick, carved chaos. So what I do think is, um, actually, what could be good news, and we haven't talked about any good news, I think, since Emmy Martinez in the beginning of the podcast, I think this treatment from Southgate could be the kiss of life for Aston Villa. And let me explain why. First of all, not only will Jack Grealish be coming back fresh as a daisy to preseason training, having played so little football, but also Jack Grealish now has had a first-hand taste of what life might be like under Pep Guardiola who is known, famous for freezing players out for months at a time on a whim. John Stones had it done to him. Sterling's had it done to him. Uh, uh, um, Bernardo Silva has had it done to him. Even the great Sergio Aguero, Aguero, you know, one of the best strikers in Premier League history, have all collected splinters in their backsides under Pep. So I think Jack will have had a taste of, of what a month of that has been like, that pain, that frustration under Southgate. And I think it will have certainly given Jack Grealish some food for thought as he ponders his his future. Is he ready to be a bit part player in, in a Manchester City side? Or does he want to continue to captain his boyhood Aston Villa team to the Europa League this season? I think it's the latter, Andy. Well, certainly, I certainly hope so. And I, I absolutely agree um, with what you say there about, about Pep. Um, what Pep does, in my opinion, now look, 
not arguing with his record at all. Obviously, he's a he's a he's a he's a world class great coach, but he doesn't he doesn't like um, like you say that 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 chaotic element of players. He wants them to do to be orchestrated um, and to be choreographed into a into a certain pattern, and he does it with all the players, and it's very effective. And it's it's at times you know sublime to watch. But he doesn't build his um, his his team or his his game plan around individual brilliance. He's obviously got some brilliant players at Man City. De Bruyne is, and of course, um, uh, well, people like people like Silva. He's had David Silva there. You know, he he doesn't necessarily stifle them, but they they have to play. You know, to to his way, to his to his style, and. And and that is often very much sort of the the one two touches, getting the ball forward, um, you know, moving the ball forward forward like that from the back. He doesn't want Jack Grealish picking the ball up um, from his left back and and and, and running at the penalty area. <laughs> that isn't that isn't the Pep way. There was and, a, and there was a great thing with Thierry Henry uh, about this. Did Dan mention this last week? I think he may have. So right. there was an interview, so, sorry to interrupt, it just jumped yeah. into my head. There was an interview on Monday Night Football, um, throw it into YouTube and, and have a look for it, guys and girls and others. And see the, um, see the, see the clip there. Uh, Henri basically talks about Guardiola um, being so strict with him about his movements. And he, on that, operating on that, on that left-hand side for Barcelona, had cut inside, done something he wasn't supposed to do and scored a goal. And South, and uh, Guardiola was so furious, he subbed Henri at half-time because he didn't follow instructions. So to your point, Andy, I think you're quite right. Grealish, that isn't... Jack Grealish may be many things, but he's not a... He's not a He's not a uni- he's not a cookie cutter uniform kind of guy. He is he is chaos to your point, and he'll want to do that, won't he? As you were saying, he wants to pick the ball up from the left back, and he wants to drive at them. Pep isn't going to stand for that, and does I mean for sure playing for Pep Guardiola and winning trophies for Man City is certainly appealing. But is it right for Jack? I don't know. The, the thing is, as well, I, I, you know, sort of. I don't want to talk too much about Man City, but I think as well, you know, it's the same with Harry Kane in a way. It's kind of, it's it's like jumping on someone else's success, isn't it? You know, you, if you're Jack Grealish, it's this idea that, you know, you just sign for Man City and you, you, you automatically win a couple of trophies. But but how much of achievement is that for, the, for, for those players? I mean, you know, Man City... Could win the league, or probably will win the league, with or without Jack Grealish or Harry Kane or whoever else. You know, they don't need, they don't really need these players. If if he now if if Jack Grealish went and signed for Man United and they won the league, well, he's he's been part of that. He's been part of that 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 improvement and that transformation at United that that then goes on and 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 and, and gets some silverware. But I often think this, you know, you, and Harry Kane just goes to Man. If he goes to Man City, he's just kind of saying, "Well, I'm going to sell, sell out here, and yeah, I'll, I'll have a medal at the end of it." Which I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> it's like I mean, Delf won titles, you know, and it, it, maybe it just it's, doesn't. <laughs> maybe it's like I don't know if I can make this reference, but maybe I, I, it's not a good one. <laughs> 
I should stay away from that. But um, yeah, I'll stay away from that. I'll tell you what it was after the show. Highly inappropriate. Um, it was to do with uh, sex and, um, you know, different levels of challenge. But that's as much as I'll say. <laughs> um, now, the, uh, the, the, the interesting thing is, let's talk about Nikki Butt. Nikki Butt has a, you're squinting at me, what's he talking about Nikki Butt for? Nikki Butt has, I'm sure, a whole trophy wing in his house, full of trophies. And good for Nikki Butt, this isn't me hating on Nikki Butt. Does anyone remember him in the same way as they remember a Matt Letizia, who won nothing, or a Steven Gerrard, who didn't win the Premier League, or a uh, Paul Gascoigne, who never won the Premier League? No. Because kind of he was just kind of there and I'm not saying Jack Grealish would just kind of be there but I agree with you I think that I think for Harry Kane you know the the ship has sailed on him winning anything for Tottenham and obviously he wants to check some boxes but Harry Kane's also approaching his 30s and is 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 coming you know he's certainly not towards the end of his career by any means but he has more of his career behind him than he has ahead of him Jack's the opposite Jack has Jack has another 10 years to go you know, with the way he plays, he could play to 35, 36. So, you know, Jackie isn't even halfway through his career, especially as it started a bit late for reasons we've discussed on this podcast. So for me, I think that um, Jack Grealish leading Aston Villa into Europe, maybe challenging for the Europa League, could be something that Jack Grealish likes a little bit more than being part of a machine that is going to win with or without you. I think you could be right there, Andy. Yeah, I mean, you know, there will be obvious, um, obvious um, attractions to going to, to to Man City. But if I was him, I'd be, I'd if and I, if I was him and 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 I felt that I wanted a, a, a big move, I'd probably look, I'd probably look elsewhere um, than there because I just don't, I wouldn't see it working for him. I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening for him at Man City. Um, he could, he could play there fine but I just don't I just don't think it would be the best move for him and his and his career really um so but we'll we'll see I mean I I I I've got I am feeling a little bit more confident that um that <laughs> that, that he will be at Villa um next season particularly after he uh he 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 commented with three love heart um eye emoji things on uh, on Emmy Buendia's uh, tweet um, Instagram post uh, the other day. <laughs> I thought, yeah. yeah, that's 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 what we want to see. Getting back in the in the in the villa in the villa swing of things um, for Jack Grealish, and of course the players are back in the swing of it now. The the squad are, are back in training. Um, big new signing, as I said, Emmy Buendia joined up with the squad at Bodymore Heath this week. Um, and the first of five, I think, pre-season fri- fixtures um, are due to start next week as, as as Villa sort of travel to take the short trip to to their regular um, pre-season friendly at the Banks Stadium to play Warsaw um, next Wednesday, I believe. Um, it feels like really we won't get too much time to, to catch our breath before we're back in the thick of the the football season again and. This is the time where the the transfer rumours, I think, will will really start to hot up. Um, the Smith Rowe rumour um, appears to be going away, um, with him now expected to sign that new contract at Arsenal. Um, but just in the last few days, the links 
uh, to the to the the young um, River, River Plate forward Julian Alvarez um, have intensified again with some reports that Villa have agreed a deal for the the the, the Argentine international. Um, I mean, this this to me feels like it could be a could be a, a sort of a backup option or a like for like signing for the sort of the the next the next one from from Smith Rowe. Um, and certainly a, a cheaper option, Craig. Yeah, certainly a cheaper option. If if the Smith Rowe deal doesn't go through, obviously we talked in detail about it, you know, last week and, and, and Arsenal's three hundred and twenty million pound hole. So go back into our archives and have a listen to that if you want to have a listen about why uh, Smith Rowe might even be available in the first place. Um, but whatever happens, if Smith Rowe signs a new deal, um, you know, good for him. Good luck, uh, Aston Villa uh, onwards and upwards, regardless. I think Alvarez, as far as I know, again, I I, I will put in a large disclaimer here that I am not an Argentinian football expert, but as far as I know, I don't think he's a an out-and-out out number 10 like Smith-Rowe is. I think he's more of a false nine and maybe plays wide a little bit with a similar pressing profile to Ollie Watkins, who, let's not forget, also didn't start life as a number nine. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily know that Alvarez isn't going to be instead of Smith-Rowe, um, but... And I also think he might be one more for the future, given his young age and the adaptation risk. Um, you'd imagine he's going to be one for the future, or maybe even, maybe even one that Villa may look to sign and maybe loan to another European league for six months to get acclimatised, or or maybe not. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating. But, you know, Smith-Rowe seems to be signing a new deal. Well, it hasn't happened at the time of this recording. So maybe that's not dead just yet. But... If we do get Smith Rowe and Alvarez, all of a sudden you're looking at Buendia, Grealish, Alvarez, uh, uh, Anwar, uh, uh, Bertrand, Bertrand Traore, of course, Trezeguet. Then you've got the young lads, Chocomenka and Philogene Bidace. You know, even without the signings of Alvarez or Smith Rowe, it suddenly feels very crowded in there, Andy. It does, doesn't it? I hadn't thought of that. I think you. you it's you, a lot you, of players. You, a lot, there are a lot of players there, and um, I mean, obviously, we're not going to see Trezeguet for a, for a good few months. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, our, our Anwar um, might be struggling for game time again. Um, he might have to. He might have to go on a on an on another crazy scoring streak to to get himself back in in contention. But I think I think. Um, what we need it's what we need isn't it we need those these options we need those options in those those sort of three positions behind the striker if we if we're playing a a 4231 um you obviously need um obviously Watkins is going to is going to play i think we've talked haven't we about about having that backup option for Watkins where you know he, he you know he, he can't play the amount of games and the amount of minutes that he played last season. Um, so, do we need, you know, maybe a maybe another another centre forward type there, or will Wesley do the job? Will Keenan Davis do the job? We we just don't know at this point. Um, but yeah, there's a there's an awful lot of players suddenly milling around there, and and um, whether the you know the youngsters will will find themselves out on loan, who knows? Whether you know, certain players will be will be up for transfer. Who, who, you know, we don't know. Well, it does seem we're we're now becoming a little bit overloaded in those forward uh, positions. So you would expect 
that someone would need to leave. Now, Villa are, you know, very stealthy in their transfer activity. Even the uh, exit of, of Bjorn Engels kind of came out of nowhere. And Kalinic also has gone on loan. So you're imagining Villa's business isn't done in outgoings or incomings. Certainly, Engels needs to be replaced. Certainly, Kalinic would need to be replaced you, uh, because Kalinic and Heaton have both left now. So you can't just go into the season with Martinez and Steer. You do, unless you're going to promote one of the young lads. Don't know about that. But so you would think there's still at least three more guys coming through the door. Um, you know, maybe maybe four if we're signing a defensive midfielder too. So it's interesting in that, you know, we are... Aston Villa don't seem to be taking too much of a pause Aston Villa seems to be ploughing ahead and some people are going to be out and it could be, dare I say, Andy, it could be one of our favourite, our favourite babe, bouncing baby boy, Anwar <laughs> El Ghazi. I, obviously, he's not a baby boy. He's a, he's a grown man, but his, his skin is soft like a baby. So I, that's why I say that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, he he, he certainly looked um, happy to be back and and, and up for it um, in the in the training videos that I've 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 had a look at. Um, who knows? I think I think as well. I mean, you know, we, we, we need to sort of talk about about this, and, and maybe we can we can sort of feed this into the next little section. But we've talked, haven't we, on this podcast about how how difficult it is to play the way Dean Smith wants to play when the midfield seem to struggle to keep hold of the ball. McGinn. <clears throat> jo- well, John McGinn's certainly one. Douglas Louise is another. I mean, obviously, when Nakamba plays, his, 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 Oof, his, um, yeah. his, his uh, passing isn't the best. Um, you know, we're, we're signing a lot of, or we, we seem to be sort of linked with a lot of these attacking players, these these wide players or these number 10 types. Um, but who's keeping the ball in midfield? Are, are these players going to improve? Are they going to suddenly, you know, be able to sort of dominate the midfield and keep possession? Because if they if they can't, then we're in, a, it doesn't really matter who you've got going forward. We're in a similar position to where, where we were last season. Well, you bang on. I have spoken in detail about John McGinn's 79% pass completion rate, which, you know, that's from central defensive midfield that he had that this season largely, which is way too low for a central defensive midfielder because, you know, a good percentage of their passes are, you know, short ones to the, to the, to the back and to the side. Um, never mind for a number eight who's making riskier passes. So um, we know that John McGinn needs to work on looking after the ball better. He he is one that we expect to, to obviously be a big part of our plans moving forward. But let me tell you, if he can up those possession stats, if he can up his pass completion and add that to his game, he will become one of the very best midfielders in the, in the league for sure because I think that is really the only thing that's missing. He doesn't look after the football in a way that a, a, a top top and again this is gonna this is gonna be different now moving forward ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna be holding people to a higher standard and that's everyone so mcginn too i'm now looking for aston villa to be a european team and that is my standard moving forward so what was acceptable for a relegation threatened team what was acceptable for a mid-table team 
is no longer going to be acceptable for me this season. I think Andy's, you know, made quite clear where he stands. <laughs> He's looking for top six. So I'm not quite that harsh, but you know, I, I am expecting top eight. So, so yeah, so, so let's be, let's be real about it. If Villa want to progress, if McGinn wants to be a top midfielder, which I believe he does, and I believe he can be, those possession stats need to change full stop. There's no, there's no ifs, buts or maybes. And part of us being a top team, as Andy said, is going to be looking after the football better. And if, if, if the lads in there, Douglas Louise, you mentioned, uh, we've, we've got Sanson coming in, you know, maybe he can look after the ball a bit better. You know, now he's going to have a free, full, full preseason under his belt. If those lads can't look after the ball better and it keeps bouncing back, bouncing back, and we can't control the midfield, then it's quite clear that, that, that Aston Villa are going to sign players who can. And that's not me being um, 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 harsh. It's just the truth. Yeah, I think, and, you know, that kind of runs into what, what I was going to ask you about. You know, we talked about fringe players, haven't we, and who might leave, who might be not 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 coming with us on the next stage of the, of, of, of the project. Um, you know, and, 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 and clearly McGinn, Douglas Louise are, are players we need, you know, we need more from this season. But another part of that question is, just as we saw kind of last season, really, we saw um, obviously Esri Conza massively improved. Matt Target out of nowhere became one of the one of the top left backs in the league. Um, who are you expecting to kind of step up to that next level this season? You know, w- who within the main sort of part of the squad? A, a few, a few of them, I think. You know, having one of the biggest biggest advantages of us having the youngest team in the league is that all of them have room to improve and the ones that didn't have room to improve, the ones that were on the way down in terms of uh, Neil Taylor, Elmo and Heaton um, are gone already. You know, see you later. Oh no, that sounds sounds flippant. I genuinely thank them for their service, particularly Elmo and Taylor, you know, uh, promotion heroes. I don't mean to to sound flippant um, about their contributions, but those are players that are towards the end of their careers. The rest of them are incredibly, incredibly young and you know the player i'm probably most excited about is bertrand triore um yeah. i've said a lot on this con, con podcast i don't think he's a winger i think he's a central player be that a, a number nine or a number 10 and i think the lad has magic in his boots andy and i know he's undergone groin surgery and apparently he's been playing through that pain barrier for quite a while and he he did very well seven goals and six assists in your first season was an, an excellent return but I think there's more to come from Bertrand Traore. Uh, I'm excited to see him. Chukwemenka, obviously, is someone who now looks to be uh, uh, ready to, to join our first team in a major way. Ramsey, Ramsey's another one. He's going to need to kick on. Otherwise, he might find himself, um, you know, starving for minutes. Douglas Louise, you know, um, poor second half of the season, we could probably say from Douglas mm-hmm. Louise last year. Mm-hmm. Um so he's another one that's going to need to step up now. He's familiar with the league. So I'm really excited for, for, for lots of the players. But, but Traore is the one that I think could really have a high ceiling if we can find him the right position. And, and I don't think right wing is, is it, Andy. I'm going to add um, Matty Cash to that, to that list because I think, um, you know, in, 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 in Cash, I think we've got a player. He, he, he took to a, like a duck to water, didn't he, to the Premier League. He was... He came straight in and, and immediately improved that area of the field when lots of people perhaps didn't didn't feel we needed that, um, but he certainly did that. Now I think I think Matt, Matt Cash has got 
um, another another level to go in terms of um, certainly his attacking play. I think he's he's, he's defensively he's, he's he's excellent. You know, he's he's, he's really formed a, a a great part of that that back four that was so successful. But I want to see him. I want to see him really getting getting down that that line and, and joining the attack and you know creating goals, maybe scoring some goals. I think he's he's potentially a very dangerous fullback, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he perhaps kicks on with a with a year under his belt now, um, injuries permitting. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of Matt Cash at all, um, Andy. I'm glad you brought him up. You know that has been his one 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 v one defending has been exceptional. Obviously, his tenacity, his work rate, he is firm in the tackle. Um, he he's much uh, positionally stronger than um, than Gilbert. Although Gilbert may have improved, you know, a lone spell he seemed to do well out there. So maybe Gilbert could kick on as well. But um, for a former winger, I've been disappointed. I have to say with Matt Cash's deliveries, actually. Um, you know, because he was a, he is a converted right winger. I'm right in thinking, Andy. And um, yeah, I think so, midfielder. Yeah, yeah, midfielder winger. So you, you'd think that is somewhere where he would need to improve because Matt Target has that in spades. You know, his problem before was the other way around, wasn't it? His problem yeah. wasn't wasn't going forward. He was always great going forward, but his he was a little bit of a liability defensively. But he transformed that. So the the heat is on uh, Matty Cash to do to do that as well because again. Um, Villa aren't going to stand still and wait for him, you know. If 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 he uh, if 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 he can't do it, but I think I think again he can. He's young. He did really really well in his first season, and um, if he can improve those deliveries and he can get moving in that way, I think he's going to be a real asset for Aston Villa moving forward and a bargain really at whatever it was, fourteen sixteen million pounds. Yeah, I think as well. Um, you know, you got to you got to say that you know coming into the, the, the Premier League. He'd only been playing as a right back for a year anyway. You know, he'd always been a midfielder, or even probably less than a year. Um, he came in as a as a as our right back, and maybe they 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 took that decision to 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 almost say to him, just focus on on the back four, focus on your defending, um, get forward when you can. You know, and we'll develop the other side of things as we go along. And I think he did he did improve. Um, he definitely improved as the season went on. Um, but I, d- I think as well, um, I think he has got it in him to 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 be a, to be an attacking attacking threat down that side, and um, don't underestimate as well the the impact that um, if we were to have a more dominant midfield, the impact that that would have on his game, in allowing him to 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 make those runs and get forward. So. Um, and Buendia yeah. as well, helping helping him out. You know, exactly, we talk yeah. about Traore as we don't. I don't fancy him as a, as a, as a right winger or a right midfielder, whatever you want to call it. Whereas I do fancy Buendia, and and Buendia's defensive contributions are out of this world. Whereas Traore, you know, he he improved. Let's be fair to him, he improved, but certainly there was still some more room for improvement in terms of Traore's defensive contributions. Whereas Buendia, who who may be making that position his own this season. He's already there as a defensive uh, contributor, which could allow, uh, which could unleash the attacking potential of Mister Matty Cash. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think definitely. And uh, when you look at it like that, you suddenly start to see that, that that there's a lot to be positive about going into the season. And obviously, over the next few weeks, we'll um, we'll see how things go in terms of the the transfer window, the ins. 
and the outs, hopefully nothing and too And the shaking it all about. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly, uh, if 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 uh, Emmy Martinez um, penalty save celebrations are anything to go by, um, he'll be all over the ins and the outs. But um, anyway, <laughs> pregnancies happened with that celebration, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me again, Craig. Um, you know, really, really good to to chew over, and and I hope it. Uh, I hope we lifted people's spirits after the the uh, the middle part of the the podcast, which was perhaps a little bit depressing, but it had to be. We, you know, you've got to you've got to talk about these things, and 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 I hope you stayed with us, guys. I hope you uh, you listened to the end. Um, remember that you can um, you can visit manscaped.com and get twenty percent uh, and free shipping worldwide on all your. Um, manscaping products um, so please do that and use the code LAMP at checkout for that um, and other than that we'll see you next week um, and we'll be fully back into the, the, the Aston Villa um, the Aston Villa chat England is finished the Euros are finished and we're looking forward to the new season from next week um, so thanks for thanks for joining us again Um, Take care, stay safe and up the villa.